Welcome to the special holiday edition of the She Lives Fearless podcast. This is Holly Newton, and I am your host. And this is Dina Delisa Gonser, your co-host. And if you're anything like Holly and I, you love to host for the holidays. Yes, we do. And we have invited some very special guests for the month of November to help you prepare your table, heart, and home for the holidays. So join us. Don't miss an episode and stay tuned for some fun giveaways. Today, we are welcoming Danielle Cardas. She is the author behind the Rustic Joyful book food series, a seasoned speaker, recipe developer, and food stylist. Once a restaurant owner, she brings her life experience to the table, running all that is Rustic Joyful food alongside her husband, Michael. You may have seen her numerous appearances on The Kelly Clarkson Show, Rachel Ray, Access Hollywood, or Home and Family, just to name a few. Her wild sense of humor and quick wit wins over viewers just as much as her delicious recipes. Danielle's cookbooks are more than just books. They are recipes to feed your family with writing to feed your soul. She shares her incredible story and her love for Jesus at every turn. Anyone who encounters Danielle finds themselves grinning ear to ear. Her most recent book, You Were Always There, Danielle shares a more intimate look at her walk with God in addition to her recipe that we love her for. She lives near Seattle, Washington with her two adorable boys and her photographer extraordinaire, husband Michael. You can find her with her digger, you see my quotations, (laughs) she'll tell us about that later, finding treasures at the thrift store, tending to her garden, or going on little adventures with her family in tow. Danielle, welcome. We are so excited to have you here today. Oh my gosh. Okay. That was the most beautiful intro. I'm like <laughs> trying to not cry as you're reading it. I was like, wow. this is your life oh my gosh like really it's like I was just getting a little emotional listening to that because I think that it's really easy like while you're in it and you're moving and you're doing it we don't read off our resumes and what the Lord has done back to ourselves very often or celebrate the things that we've done like when you run a small business you just keep going to the next thing and so to hear you read those things like all in line it was like I I'm really yeah. You did that, girl. Yes, for sure. And you've had such an amazing journey with so many twists and turns. So, could you give our listeners a little background on how Rustic Joyful Food came to be what it is today? Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's so funny because I never had designs um, as a little girl to be on TV cooking. I mean, I tried out for Star Search and I did a stint trying out for Survivor when I was eighteen, and I thought. Fun. Uh, I thought I was going to be an attorney. I really, when I was in, in junior high, I'm like, I'm going to go to law school. And then as school progressed, and I thought, I actually don't really enjoy school. So <laughs> me and a law school just didn't mix. So uh, when Mike and I got married, we, I was 26 and Mike was 31 and we had lived our lives and we'd been single for a long time. And we came together and thought, oh my gosh, when we get married, let's open a restaurant. Like, let's do this. Like I was a traveling makeup artist and all of our friends were like, okay, are you guys trying to get a divorce? Like, what are you, 
what's the deal? And I'm like, no, 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 it'll be great. I'll be home more. I can cook and I'm a great cook. And at the time I was an okay cook. I was not a fabulous cook. I thought I was a much better cook than I actually was. We opened Manola on a shoestring budget. Mike continued to keep his job. He was delivering bread at the time and he had been in that union position forever. And we thought, well, that's going to, it's not going to be wise for you to quit your job when we're brand new married. We'd been married for nine months when we started doing the restaurant stuff. And then we were married for one year when we, when it opened. And I thought that this is it. Like I loved Manola. I loved the energy. I loved the people. I loved the chefs that we were hiring. And I was just falling madly in love with myself. And I thought, this is it. I am, this is my empire. This is what I'm building. This is awesome. And so here I was falling in love with this restaurant and my husband and I were really growing apart. And I remember asking the Lord, like, why, why did you bring Mike into my life? Like I was, we were fine before and we were bickering all the time and things were difficult. And I just had this singular focus on me. And, uh, I didn't realize it at the time you're 27 and you think that everything revolves around you. And, uh, Mike and I decided in two years into the restaurant that we were going to call it quits. And we didn't have any kids at the time. And I thought we didn't even cry when we talked about it. We were both that selfish. We thought, okay, we're just not getting along. This isn't for us. And we're going to go our separate ways. I'm going to have my empire and you're going to keep your job. And we told our parents, I remember my dad crying and saying, you haven't even given it a go. And I'm like, we gave it a go, dad. I was just so selfish. And about three weeks after that decision, we found out we were pregnant with Noah. And I know that they say, do not have a child to save your marriage, but God used Noah to completely save our marriage. And I got really sick. I got preeclampsia with Noah. And so I was on bed rest all of a sudden. Here I was a chef in a restaurant of 15 employees. Like this thing has to run itself. And I was all of a sudden on bed rest. And I had to rely on Mike in a way that I hadn't ever relied on anybody. I mean, I was only having two showers a week. I was going to the doctor four times a week on a myriad of, of medication. And slowly my little empire at Manola began to crumble. And it took six months for me, I mean, we were making money hand over fist before, and then it just took six months for employees to quit, things to go downhill. There was no more boss. Manola completely closed four days after Noah was born. And we, my, I remember being at home with this brand new little baby, and I was so happy. We had gone through this whirlwind of like slowly, but quickly losing everything. I was sick. And I thought, how are we ever going to make it? My husband and I don't get along. We have a baby. We lost everything. I'm like, God, I remember standing in front of Manola and the Lord telling me, speaking to my heart, saying, I'm going to take care of you through this place. And I was like, what did God, did you, did I not hear you? I thought I heard you say, you're going to take care of me through Manola. And here we are closed. It's debunked. We had a Craigslist sidewalk sale. People were coming in like, I mean, buying the soap dispensers, the chairs, every dish, every fork. I was at home with the baby and Mike called me and he said, it's done. It's gone. It's all over. And he had all the money in his pocket. We paid the IRS what we owed them for back taxes for that year. And we completely started over. And the thing that's so crazy is when you're making, when you have a restaurant where you're making $300,000 a year, you have $300,000 a year in bills. And I thought we could still take care of this. We'll be okay. I was so broken, had this brand new baby. And we thought, okay, Lord, uh, we're, how do we start over? And during that year, we literally lost everything from our house to our cars, like you name it. We packed it all up. We moved up North and I thought I will never cook again. There is nothing in my life. I'll never cook again. 
And it was this difficult time, but I got to tell you, like, it was such a joyful, peaceful time after the restaurant closed and we were super poor. We still were starting to just learn each other again. Like here we have a baby. How do we make this work? And life became quiet and simple. When the restaurant closed, we lost all of our friends. We moved cities. It was just like, God, and sometimes we forget, like we, we try to blame other people like, Lord, oh, they really, these people abandoned me in my time of need. God allowed a stripping of everything in our lives to bring us completely back to him. So we couldn't, I couldn't call girlfriends and complain about Mike. Mike couldn't call guy friends and go have a beer. Like there was literally me, Mike and Noah in a brand new city away from our family. Mike is working. I'm learning how to be a mom and pick things up in my life. And I thought, Lord, I'm so sorry. I was so selfish. Like, and you're embarrassed too. You don't want anybody to know what you went through. You don't want anybody to know that you're, you're, you went bankrupt and you lost your house. Like that's a special kind of pain leaving your home when you didn't choose it, but I chose it. I mean, my actions and decisions chose it being so selfish in my marriage, but the thing that's so great about that is it was this broken time that the Lord is like, okay, now, now I've got your attention. Now it's just me and you like, now we can do something like now. And it wasn't like we can do something, Danielle, you're going to go work on television. It was like, we can do something, Danielle, you can find contentment in me. A lot of times we think that it's good with God when things are going well, and sometimes it's the best with the Lord when we're in the fire and in a trial, like where we're able to connect with Jesus in a way that we wouldn't if things were all wonderful and hunky-dory and we weren't worried where our next meal was going to come from. Yeah. I remember working and I went to back to work doing makeup and I didn't tell anybody about the restaurant and I didn't tell anybody I had a baby. I just was doing makeup. And I remember I talk about this in the book. I had a coworker and I mentioned something while I was doing some ladies makeup about my baby. And my coworker's like, you have a baby? And I was like, I do. He's nine or 10 months old at the time. Like I just, I started working. Yeah. I started working when Noah was, I think he was four weeks old when I went back to work because we were broke. I mean, we had no money. And I was like, I got to do something to provide for our family. Um, But it was this amazing time. Like Noah brought so much joy, a joy I'd never experienced before. Like I had this little dude and I just couldn't wait to get back to him. I felt guilty being away from him, was working full time. We had this little 17 year old just watching him. And she was basically, I mean, he thought Lauren was his mom. <laughs> I was working so much and they had this sweet yeah. little bond. Um, but I mean, I could literally go on forever. So I'll yeah. stop right here and let you guys interject. Cause I'm like, <laughs> this is going along. <laughs> no, this is great. Yeah, this it's so good. good. And you're you're so open and honest about your struggles, which is um it's a you know, it's really powerful when we yeah. can be transparent and we can speak openly and honestly. And I just love you for that. Um Thank I've you. known you 10 minutes in person yeah. across Zoom and I love you already. I mean, oh. um this is really important because you know, it's the power of what um, God does in our lives when we're willing to share that with others, that it gives other people hope. Yes. And um, obviously this recipe, this was a recipe for disaster. Yes. In the natural. Like your yeah. events leading up was definitely recipe for, you know, going, you could have chose a lot of different things at yeah. that time, you and your husband, yeah. but, but you chose to stay. Something made you stay. And, yeah. um, you know, this is such a beautiful example of how God really takes our brokenness and our messes. Like he, he will take anything. We will just hand to him. Yeah. And he really can heal and he can do things with our lives that we 
cannot fathom. So you are a shining example of this. So I would love it if you would, like in that time that you were going through, if you can recall, like what is something about God mm-hmm. that shifted your perspective? That what is something that he showed you about himself maybe? Mm-hmm. Or you've talked about yourself as how you were self-focused, but what's sure. something about God that he showed you that gave you the courage mm-hmm. to stay in a spot that looked hopeless. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I began a different relationship with the Lord and it's funny um, because I think we go through seasons with God and not, not a lot of people talk about relationship. We, I mean, we all talk about as Christians relationship with the Lord and how to deepen our relationship with the Lord, but there's often not a lot of tools presented, like, you know, ha- work on your relationship with the Lord. You got to work on your relationship with the Lord the same way you work on your relationship with your spouse or with your friends. You have to give into it. You have to press into the Lord. You have to read the word. You have to listen to worship music. You have to allow the Lord to speak in your heart. And sometimes we get in these modes where it's like, oh God, you're not speaking to me. I don't feel you. It's like, I, 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 well, sometimes you just need to sit and be quiet during that time when I was singular focus, like I had this baby, he was amazing. We were, I was going to work and it was me, Mike and Noah. That's it. The next things I was worried about were like, what are we going to eat? How are we going to pay our bills? And it was such a simple, broken down time. I had to, I, I, I had this innate trust in God. I always have, I've always trusted him. Um, and that doesn't come natural to people. I had great parents growing up. I think that having great parents allows you to have a different perception of the Lord. And it doesn't mean if you don't have great parents, you can't because both of my parents had very broken upbringings and they instilled in their children a way to trust the Lord. Like God will provide for you. Doesn't mean it's going to be what you want, but the provision will be there. Even in death, sometimes I lost a dear friend this, um, this summer. And it's so funny because I know that God's hand was in everything, including her death. She was healed when she went, when she went home to be with Jesus. So it's like sometimes we have these perceptions like, Oh my gosh, I have to keep my house. My friends have to get healthy. My marriage has to work. All these things. That's when God loves me. God loves me fully in the brokenness. And I hadn't experienced such a devastating loss as like your home and your cars and all the things. Uh, and it, it taught me how to trust God in a different way and to rely on him. I'm like, okay, God, uh, I've got 15 bucks and I got to get food for me and this baby and Mike for the rest of the week. Like, how are we going to do this? Yeah. And that built a different trust in me. And then when it was time to write the book, I thought, I don't know how to write a book. I'm not very bright. I was, I had written all my recipes out and I gave my little thumb drive to a coworker. She was a paralegal and she's like, Oh my gosh, I'll totally edit your book. This will be great. So she meets me at a parking lot three days later and she's like, You're a great makeup artist. I can't edit this. And I was devastated. I'm like, I'm dumb. I'm broke. I had a cookbook dream and it's not going anywhere. <laughs> Like, Lord, what are you going to do with me? How are we going to, how are we going to work this out? And so, um, I put the book to bed and I thought, you know what? We're not, I'm not going to write a book. This is silly. I just wanted to preserve the recipes from the restaurant and everything I do. I feel like, how can I provide for my family through this? I'm like, if I could sell cookbooks, then I could make extra money and then we would be okay. It wasn't like if I could sell cookbooks, people would know my name and I'll work with Kelly Clarkson. It was like, if I could sell cookbooks, I could buy meat. (laughs) I was literally thinking of it so so, on such a small level. And I started thinking, God, how am I ever going to tell people about hope and pot roast when I'm not very bright and I can't write? Like, how can I tell people this? 
And I opened an Instagram account and I just started telling people about recipes. And God just said, you just have to be you. And we were working at the time for a little local magazine. Mike was taking pictures. And like I said, like every odd job, every side job I could do, we were taking. And she said, what's that book you were talking to me about last year? Are you working on that? My editor. I said, oh, I I can't really find like an editor and I'm not the greatest writer. And she's like, I have somebody for you. It ended up being the dean of a, the literary department at our local university. And I was like, I can. There's no way I can send send my broke down thumb drive to this brilliant woman. I mean, there's no way. I barely graduated high school. I can't do this. And she's like, you know, she's a really kind woman. Why don't you just think about it? So I, I thought, well, maybe maybe I'll. Uh, and I really felt the Lord say, you just give her your little thumb drive. So me and Noah, he was about a year old. We went to meet her. We had coffee. She bought me a coffee. It was such a treat. And I said, listen, I'm not smart. I just know that I'm supposed to share with people that the Lord is good and and how to cook. And she was like, well, you know what? Let me be the judge of if you're bright or not. And then I was like, oh, my God. So she called me about a week and a half later and she said, Danielle, you are a brilliant writer. Uh, you just need a little help with the grammar department. She goes, I found myself crying and laughing and hungry the whole way reading through your book. And I will help you. And I just thought... Oh my gosh, sometimes we just need a Sandy in our corner to say, you're not just a great makeup artist, like put this dream aside, but to see further than our mess. And that's what God showed me during that time is like, I can do so much more with your mess, with what the world thinks is icky, and I can do something for my glory. And it started to become like where success for me wasn't all the things that we had or the homes. It was like success for me began in that point it's it's about the people that we can impact and touch for the Lord, not for me and my own personal gain. And even to this day, like I can say I do really exciting, cool things that open doors and I know great celebrities and all that stuff, but that's not who I am. Who I am is just Danielle Cardis. I am a mom and a wife and we still have massive struggles. We find joy in everything. And that's my passion and desire is to show people that there can be joy in there today. Because we're walking this journey. Life is messy. It's going to be messy till we go home. I mean, there are, I was watching YouTube the other day and I like to tell this story where uh, there was a guy, I like furniture restoration. I love furniture restoration. I'm not a furniture restorer. I wish I was, but uh, there's this guy and he's breaking down furniture and he's got this old busted out cabinet from the 1800s. And I'm like, there's no way he's going to restore this. There's absolutely no way. He takes it completely apart. And as he starts to put it together, I found myself crying watching YouTube. Like, are you kidding? Like it just, it was this perfect picture for what the Lord does in our lives. You take these busted out cabinets and there's no way that it feels like there could be restoration. And then piece by piece. And the the guy does these videos silently. There's no, there's no music. There's no, you see, you hear the woodworking, but it's quiet. And sometimes God takes us to these quiet places where we're absolutely alone and he slowly rebuilds us. And the end piece was so much more beautiful than any rep replica or picture and it was the original thing i just thought that's this is life yeah it is messy and we are stripped away and god is able to make us into what he desires for our lives and when we're willing to lay it all down and be like okay lord you just do you like tomorrow if god said you're not doing tv anymore and you're not doing books anymore and i want you to go be a school teacher and you're going to go back to school and you're going to do all these things like it would be difficult. I think you mourn your own old life. Like I'm not a robot, but I'm, I'm like, I'm up for the adventure. Like, okay, Lord, use me in a different capacity. 
Yeah. You know what I hear from you a lot, Danielle, through you sharing your story. Um, I mean, there's a lot of gems here. <laughs> I talk a lot. Sure. <laughs> but no, 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 there's, but there's just so much, but I hear your obedience every step of the way you keep saying, God said this. So I listen, God did said this. So I took a chance and that's, that's huge because I think a lot of us, especially through being disappointed and going through hardships, we become maybe a little bit slower to be obedient because yeah. we start letting fear settle in. You could have been yeah. so scared this whole time, which I'm sure there's moments you were, but I hear through the fear you would push through and you were still super yeah. obedient um, to God. And that's probably how he part of a piece of how he got yeah. you to where you are today because you were so willing and faithful in your yeah. obedience and, you and know, speaking to all of that. Like I know we're coming up on the holidays and ooh. your podcast is, is bringing us yeah. right into that after Thanksgiving. And um, a lot of us are struggling with being yes. obedient <laughs> with stewarding our time and we're having our families over and we're about to go off some, Oh yeah. Speaking of deep ends, I'm literally making this morning and last night until midnight, I'm making Thanksgiving lunch for my son's sixth grade classes. They have like these dual shared classes. So for four, I'm literally making uh, gravy and stuffing for 45 in the midst of this podcast. And this morning I woke up and I'm like, Danielle, why do you, why'd you say yes? It's my heart to feed people, but it's rough at four o'clock in the morning when you're rolling out of bed, like making 25 quarts of chicken sock that has been going since last night. So you have to tell us like, what are some of your tricks of the trade? I mean, you've been a restaurant cook and a TV cook and a home cook. How can we make sure our turkey doesn't come out dry? If you have the capacity to brine right now, it's cold across the country. If it is below 35 degrees where you live, you can put a bucket in the garage and your turkey's not going to spoil. You don't have to find room in the refrigerator. If you've got a nice tight fitting lid, you can put it on your back porch so a raccoon doesn't get into it. Uh, but a five gallon food grade bucket, brine your turkey. It feels crazy. Start thawing your turkey now. If there's anybody that's listening, thaw that bad boy now. Um, you can put him in the bottom of your fridge, but many people don't have room in their fridge for a 20 pound turkey. I mean, it's a big deal. For sure. And how do you make those mashed potatoes super creamy? I know you have many potato recipes in your beautiful cookbooks that I have on my shelf, but sometimes I struggle with those mashed potatoes coming out like glue. Heavy cream. Heavy cream and throw a couple russets in. Russets have a different starch profile than Yukon Gold. Like I'm a Yukon Gold girl. And I love red bliss potatoes, a thin red skin. All that stuff is fabulous. But you throw a couple russets in and they're going to stay a little bit more fluffy. There's a different structure in a russet potato than that sort of creamy flesh starch. I mean, I'm not a scientist, but there's there's a different starch content in your um, yellow potatoes versus your russet potatoes. And your russets are your traditional bakers. They are the ones that are long and brown. I mean, a lot of people are like, what's a russet? I mean, seriously, I, I work in food, so it's easy for me. And then you have your yellow potatoes. Everyone knows that's a yellow potato. That brown one's a baker with white flesh. Then there's white potatoes too. Those are absolutely delicious. They look like a yellow potato, only a lot lighter, uh, not with the yellow tint. And when you cut them open, they're more white flesh, but they act like a red skin potato or a yellow potato, like a Yukon gold. Um, but I like to mix up the potatoes. You get a little fluffy and then don't over mix them. I like a lumpy mashed potato. So I'm team lumps, but in my family, my boys are team smooth. They do not like a lump in their potatoes. 
All right. You you live on the edge. You are mixing potatoes. Like <laughs> we are mixing it up. <laughs> All right. So you have so many amazing recipes in your cookbooks. What are some of your favorite recipes for your holiday table? Uh, my favorite recipes, you know, it, I'm really a seasonal cook and I get really excited during the seasons. Uh, so right now, like I'm loving, I actually, for the very first time the other day, I made quince jam, uh, which was a labor of love. I thought this is not going to work out. It smelled sort of weird while I was doing it. I'm like, this is awesome. I'm grating quince. My arm felt like it was going to fall off. Cause if you don't know out there listening, what a quince is, it's a fruit that is, um, it looks like a pear. It looks like a pear and an apple had a baby. It's bright yellow and green some places, and it's hard as a rock. Mm. And you have to cook it, and you cook it and cook it and cook it, and then it turns pink. And once it turns pink, then it's like you're able to eat it. But it's very astringent, has a weird flavor until you cook it down. And I've cooked them to poach them before many years ago, but I've never made jam. And I just thought this is, I wanted it to be low sugar. It wasn't happening. So I ended up doing the full amount of sugar. Then we had magic. And it's delicious with brie. So right now I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm a quince fan. And it's fall. So they're like a fall November-ish fruit. Um, And it reminds now I think it's going to remind me of Christmas because I'm going to save the jam that I made for Christmas for gifts. Um, and then eating it with Brie is like next level delicious. Starving. And I it's don't know so good. I, you know, I should mail you a jar. It turned out so oh, yummy. I would love it. Yeah. And I mean, no, also with, you've got tons of good recipes. We, we know that, but some people who follow you on Instagram, like me, yeah. <laughs> may know. Holly, I don't know. Are you a thrifter? Do you ever like antique stores? Or I, I do. I do. When I'm in the mood for it, I'll go for it. And, oh my goodness. And it's hard so to this, get out of air. Yeah. She is a professional thrifter yeah. and she goes into the store. She's got to tell us, because this is like an exclusive, I it feel is. like. I don't it's know exclusive. if people are going to you guys, this is so good. I love thrifting and I love your digger. digger. And what are you find to, for your holiday table? Like, what can we look for? If I'm a new person going into Salvation Army, getting my digger, just like you, yes. what should I look for to put on my holiday table? Okay. I love oval platters. Every beautiful oval, like transferware. And if you go to an antique store, they're going to be expensive, like $60 to $150 yeah. for these old school, hundred year old platters. And I still use them in my everyday. Like I use these things forever. Like I've got beautiful platters and stuff, but I've never paid more than 10 bucks for anything because I feel like I'm not, I can't, it's a hundred year old here's years old. I know you survived in everybody else's house. You're going to probably break at mine because I have little kids. (laughs) I want to use stuff. I use everything. I thrift all the antiques and all the pieces. We actually use it. And the silverware is my favorite. That's where you get a digger. You go to your silverware bins. Um, The Goodwill is great for silverware bins, Salvation Army, even antiques, some little tiny antique stores that aren't like where everything's marked up crazy. You get your spoon and you can start to dig through the silverware and you find the silver plate. So the silver plated silverware is what I'm after. I absolutely love it. I have gobs of it in buckets in my garage. It's literally worthless. <laughs> it's not like this. You're finding these great, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't resell for more than a dollar each. Um, but it's just so pretty and I love it. They're beautiful in a photograph. And yeah. I just take my little, I don't spend more than 10 minutes in a store either. 10, 15 oh, minutes. I I'm not going to start your timer. Either. I got a timer. I'm like, sometimes my kids are in the car because I cannot take them in. I might be in the car with them. I'm like, give me 10 minutes. I'm going in. I'm looking for silver plated silverware and oval platters. I'll be out in 10 minutes. 
Because Mike's like, I'm not taking them into the toy section. Then they touch everything and we all get a cold. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so true. Well, that I did not know. So that is something new. I love this. Yeah, yes. that's exciting. Okay, I think it makes me want to go. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's awesome. I love it. Yeah. So um, sounds like, you know, you have a fun family. I am sure your bright personality comes from somewhere. I'm curious, what are some holiday traditions you're looking forward to with your own family this year? Yeah. Well, you know, what's so funny. Um, we, so for Thanksgiving, it's coming up right now. Um, my mom makes the turkey, the stuffing and the gravy. My sister does, um, the pies. I do the fresh vegetable and the sweet potatoes. And, you know, for the longest time I resented that. I'm like, I want to make the stuffing. I want to make the turkey. I'm like, I want to do all the things. And every year I'm like, oh, I'm just relegated to these weird sides that nobody likes. And then I bring them home. Like, So it was funny because last year I was thinking about it. And I'm like, I wish I was really making the stuffing. And then I thought, you know what? I'm so lucky that my mom is still here making the turkey and the stuffing and the gravy. And at one point in my life, I will be making the turkey and the stuffing and the gravy. And I will wish with everything in me that I was eating my mom. I could cry right now. It was just like this epiphany. I thought, I will, you know what, mom, you make it for till forever because I don't want that mantle. I don't want it. I want to go to my mom's house and eat it. So I just felt like, you know what? I'm going to bring these sides. I want to bring these sides forever. And then right now, such a special perspective. I never thought of it that way. Like I just, it never hit me. And I was literally last year, I was like making my sides and buying 40 pounds of sweet potato. I was like, no, everybody (laughs) eats a little bit. And then they all want me to bring so much. And I'm like, I'm going to bring these home. and I'm going to throw them away in seven days because we can't eat this much. And then I was like, oh my gosh, Danielle, you are looking at this wrong. You're looking at this wrong. Yeah. And so I felt like, okay, I, you know what? I want to make these sides forever. I never, I don't want to make turkey and stuffing. I want my mom yeah. to. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I feel like we could talk to you forever and ever. Amen. About. Yeah. Right. I am a talker. <laughs> and I bet you now our listeners are just like, where can I find more of this woman? So I know what? there's so much more to your story. There's so many more recipes. Where can we find and be updated with everything that is Rusty's Joyful Food and Danielle. You you can sign up for our newsletter, and I would be lying if I told you I send one out regularly. Um, but I'm like, that's always a great place to start. And then Instagram, uh, I do Instagram. I have Facebook. I'm not on Facebook a lot. I opened a TikTok. I don't know how to use it. Um, I wish <laughs> I opened it, and I'm like, I'm not Danielle. You are 40. You can still do this. I am 40, and it doesn't make sense. So I have a TikTok. <laughs> talk but there's nothing on there yet uh but instagram is probably the best place at rustic joyful food and then you can also google like past appearances and stuff on youtube but again on youtube is just like a collection of clips and not more of me i wish i had more time to like make a youtube channel and like here's where you get me all the time yes <laughs> but well, get you all the time on instagram i can find your books on amazon correct yes. and even yes. barnes and nobles i see you pop yeah. up and target so, and you do speaking engagements as well. Yeah. So there's a lot to look out for when it yeah. comes. Yeah. Amazing. And we'll put these in the show notes. So listeners be sure and check out the show notes for all the links. Yeah. And Daniel, thank you so beautiful. much for being with us today. It's been such a joy, truly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. You guys, this was wonderful. It's always an honor. Thanks for all the hot tips and listeners yeah. we'll be back with you next week. So stay tuned. 
Thank you for tuning in to today's show. Be sure and join us next week as we have another special holiday episode edition of the She Lives Fearless podcast. And you can connect with us at shelivesfearless.com where you can keep up with the blog, what's on the podcast, as well as all of the conference information for 2023. We will be in four cities next year. Be sure and go to shelivesfearless.com and check it out. Have a good week and we'll talk to you next week.